One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. This episode is called Love Conquers All. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by accredited journalist Matt Two Rumpets. How's it going, Matt? Ah, it's going pretty good. Busy, busy day for me. Lots of things to write about. Exactly. And as we were monitoring and writing and tweeting about the race, it really wasn't finished until about an hour ago when all the results were confirmed. Yeah, it was one of those very exciting uh, post-race up in the air. Nobody knew what was going to happen. So we all had lots of fun arguing about who was wrong on Twitter kind of moments. And we're going to continue that here because, look, this was an old track. And we've established this year that we can, with some exceptions, of course, match our expectations of race excitement with the age of the track. Discuss old tracks, dull races with these specific regs. That's That's the way I see it. Unless there's rain or the threat of it. And this certainly was. Or a safety car. Or all of the above. Uh, Matt, was this a dry race where all we talked about was the rain? Or was it a wet race where the winner only used slicks? Oh, this was definitely a wet race where the where the rain gods and meisters came out to play on slick tires. If you looked at the lap times, oh, it was ever so close to absolutely having to be on wet tires. But those who had the fortitude and courage, and might I add skill, prevailed in the end. Now, Matt, I want to talk to our listeners that are Vettel fans, including someone on the panel here. I just want to say to you guys, especially the ones that feel like we're a ham podcast, please know that I feel this with you. There is no schadenfreude here at all. I mean... At first, yes. I mean, quite a lot. Uh, but it's just one of those moments in sport. It's the missed World Cup penalty. It's the 2007 China pit lane. It's Hill being taken out by Schumacher. The pure emotion from Seb on the radio said it all. So from sports fan to sports fan, I just want to say I get it. 
and I know the pain you're going through at the moment. But on the other hand, us Brits have had our share of sporting hurt. Remember when England just beat Germany 5-1 out of nowhere? Yeah, this is basically that. We are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our wives. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. I'm also joined by Vettel fan Nick Numbers Alexander making his missed Apex debut. Oh, not a good race for it for you as a Vettel fan. No, uh, but I'm here anyway. (laughs) To be fair, I'll share that you said, look, if you want to find somebody else for today, I don't mind. If you want the perspective, I'm happy to provide it. But if you want somebody to be happy and cheery, uh, no promises. We're also joined by Motorsport, Rising Flame, Rising Bright Spark, Chris, Rainbow Sparkle Stevens. How's it going, Chris? It's going great. It's been a busy old time for me, uh, which is why I haven't been on the show for a while. But I'm very happy to be back on at last. And we've got Looking After the Chatroom video editor all the way from Australia, Steve Amy. G'day, mate. G'day Spanners, g'day all, how you doing? And hello to the live stream. If you want to find the live stream, go on YouTube, search for Missed Apex Podcast, click subscribe and the little bell, and you'll get a notification every time we go live. Alright Chris, let's talk about this track a little bit, because it's been a little while since we've been here. It's quite a contrasting track. Some of the parts of the track look so narrow you worry if it's a real F1 race track at all, but boy, do I miss the engine-destroying forest section. I don't really. I mean, I had actually, I actually uh, drove a little bit of it in a sim while I was in New York last weekend in a Lotus 98T. Boy, that was a lot of fun. And I do, I see the appeal in it, but as a racing fan, I like the the new layout um it, i think it's better for for racing it's a bit more technical uh and it's i mean primarily an awful lot safer as well so you actually you can drive around that old forest bit it's not grown over oh no it's not there at all anymore it's ah. uh it is completely grown over but uh in the the magical world of sim racing oh. uh, everything <laughs> sorry i missed that however the bit they replaced it with to join up from the start of the forest section to the end of the forest section is actually very good with that sweeping sort of left hand straight leading into the turn six hairpin i mean that makes for good racing yeah absolutely um i think there are uh, plenty of overtaking opportunities that are within that new um section uh so i think uh then we all need to, to let old hockenheim because it gets to get a bit boring having this debate every single year that we go to Hockenheim. See, we can change tracks. <coughs> Monaco. <coughs> Monaco. Um, Matt, tell me a little bit about qualifying, because this was key to setting up a great race. Well, you already had Ricciardo only running in the first qualifying session because he was going to take an engine penalty for a brand new engine that, well, you know, didn't finish the race anyway. So I don't know about that in terms of strategy, but whatever. Well, obviously, uh, you know, the, the, the big news would be Sorotkin finishing P13, um, which for Williams was a good thing because they had a new front wing. And most importantly, in the um, <clears throat> same session, you had Hamilton running onto the curbs and losing his power steering. He had a hydraulic leak that uh, it will be endlessly argued about whether he caused it or whether the team caused it, although the team officially said that he did not cause it, that that what looked like him causing it was the result of rather than the, uh, uh, what shall we say, the egg rather than the chicken. I don't really know how you want to put it. Um, and at that point, 
you're thinking this race is very much over in a lot of ways for him and all the hopes for Mercedes in the entire board, which has come to this race, along with, I think, the Ferrari people were there. It was a, a lot of bigwigs in Hockenheim is good old Botas, who has, as we know, had his fair share of bad luck. Yeah, he has. I mean, a lot of people, I think they've overstated when they say, yeah, Bottas could have been leading the World Driver Championship. I mean, that leans heavily on him not having the bad luck in Baku and everybody else also not having had the bad luck before that that led to him being in that position. But certainly, yes, Bottas has had his fair share of of bad luck. Let's go on to the race then, guys. This is where we hand over to Matt Trumpets and ask where the race was won and lost. Very interesting. Obviously, the top 10 all starting on their qualifying tyres, but we had two of the top six out of position at the back with harder tyres. Yeah, Hamilton elected to start on the soft tyres in in 14th, where he had qualified after all the penalties were applied. And uh, Ricciardo and Red Bull elected to go super long on the medium tire, which wound up being a terrible choice, except for the fact that he retired anyway, so it didn't matter in the end. But Ricardo, at first, he had no pace. I suppose he, he did, compared to the cars cutting around him, but he wasn't doing anything spectacular, which made you think that that was a stretch too far. Well, I, it, it really came down to the weather in the end. Uh, clearly, the strategy was for Red Bull to run long, and go from the medium to the ultra soft and for him to make up the rest of the time at the end when everybody else would be on older soft tires that were beginning to lose their performance because he was starting all the way at the back instead of sort of mid-back a la Hamilton. But the fact of the matter is uh, when Raikkonen pitted on lap 15, he was already up to, I believe, 12th position. So he, he was not really going to be in with a shot at, a, at, at the top five uh, barring events at the end of the race. But the fact that it rained and the fact that it got colder did him no favors. And then, of course, the fact that his car stopped working entirely really did him no favors at all. No, that was, uh, that was a poor tactical choice by his car, car there. Uh, but Chris, uh, Lewis Hamilton, suitably cautious again on turns one, two, three, just slotted himself into place before working his way up the field. You have to feel that like four or five years ago, that's Lewis Hamilton involved in a first corner incident. I mean, like Hungary a few years back where he had to take an engine penalty, ended up facing backwards and turn three. A little bit of maturity from his early race strategy. Well, I'd say mitigating circumstances in uh, that scenario you you picked out because it was raining that day a little bit. But uh, I would uh, say it's absolutely the right thing for him to do, because especially at Hockenheim, because turn one is so fast and it's not really a place you can go side by side through. It's very much a single apex. So, yeah, just the mature thing to do is to just stick by and he can pick them off one by one because he's got that much of a pace advantage. Yeah, he, he was clearly out with the idea that I just I'm simply going to stay out of trouble. And in fact, by the start of the second lap, he'd already regained the singular place that he lost. All right. So continuing on then with how the race was won and lost. Well, uh, I think, you know, at the start for Mercedes, it was important for Botas to get away and get away well. So he did that. And and really, um, for Ferrari, Raikkonen defending would have mattered a lot had they not ultimately made a sacrificial lamb out of him yet again to protect Vettel's position about 15 laps later when they brought him in early. But 
the thing that made more of a difference than anything else, uh, I believe, and you know, there's a lot of a lot of leaves we can talk about here, but the fact of the matter is Hamilton was a sheer genius at managing his tires. When they were into lap 33, 34, he was keeping pace with Raikkonen, whose tires were 15 laps younger, and he was keeping pace with Vettel uh, as well until Vettel, uh, uh, he was keeping pace with Vettel until Vettel came in and eventually um, Raikkonen let him by, uh, at which point he was faster because his tires were that much newer. It's worth noting as well that 15 laps into Raikkonen's stint, his rear tires looked horrible and in comparison hamilton's whose tires were twice that age at that point looked almost pristine they did not look like 35 lap old tires yeah and and in this this was the key to the race had he not been able to manage his tires that effectively he would not have been in a position to win it when all the other craziness happened and and that would have been when the rains really came down um it, and uh, Vettel eventually crashed, and we had all the um, safety car pit stop nonsense, which, uh, I don't know, we could get into more or less now, if you like. Yeah, we'll, we'll do it in a bit. But it was interesting that it was two steps between the option and the prime in old money, if you assume that people weren't ever going to really use the medium. So this kind of pace difference, it, it seemed like it was a genuine tactical choice because it left a lot of laps between the ultras first pit stop and what the guys on the mediums could do so it gave us the kind of strategy we were always looking for yeah uh, a one stop was generally thought to be sort of the best way to go uh and i was really surprised to see the softs taken as deep as as lewis took them because vettel had a very long run uh, was it on the mediums and practice friday it might have been on the softs on uh, practice friday but nobody ran them 40 laps had no idea they'd go that long and still be that quick. Okay, I'm just going to skip ahead slightly then and just go over why I bet on Lewis Hamilton today. Now, obviously, starting from 14th, there's no reason to go and put your hard-earned dollar on him. However, today, I just felt like there was a culmination of factors, Matt. Uh, so you just tell me if you feel like any of these are wrong. I, I still feel that the Mercedes is the fastest car, and by fastest, most potential. So the most to unlock. I think that Mercedes has been the fastest car for about four or five races and will continue to stretch away. It was cooler today because there was clouds. I didn't look at the actual temperature. I just looked at the clouds. The softs and the mediums were uh, were the, the key tyres for them. And Mercedes always fancied themselves long running on the harder tyres. And the bookies, I think, just got it wrong because they said they were giving evens on just a podium for Lewis Hamilton when the the likelihood of a safety car was four to nine at this track. So all those factors, let's go to Chris, all those factors put in together meant that 14th isn't that far back when you consider he can cruise past the midfield. Oh, 100%. Yeah, there was no way of anybody, you know, no point to anybody putting up a fight to him until he got up to fifth place. But I, I know that Lewis has not had a chance to put his stamp on the last two races because of the Raikkonen collision in Silverstone and the hydraulic pressure loss um, in Hockenheim. But I would strongly disagree with the idea that the Mercedes is the fastest car, given the performance we've been able to see from Ferrari in qualifying, and especially in the race as well. Now that they are gaining four tenths a lap just on the straights compared to Mercedes, uh, then I would say that the Ferrari is probably the superior package at the moment. 
Yeah, so this is how you do it, Chris. You're wrong about Mercedes being the fastest car. Just period. You're wrong about it because they were faster in the straights. They were faster in race pace. They owned most of the track the entire weekend. So so there's not really a lot to argue. You can argue that it's close, that it's not as bad as it looks. And in fact, looking at the times, my personal thought was that Mercedes was running more downforce in anticipation of bad weather over the weekend. And I suspect that accounts for a chunk of that half a second that Wolf was moaning about piteously. Uh, but the reality is the Ferrari engine has something. And to illustrate my point, I'm going to ask you to look at the Haas qualifying time of uh, Kevin Magnussen, which is nary a tenth or two off that of Max Verstappen. But when we got to the race, we saw that in race pace, Renault were much, much closer to them. So there's clearly something to that Ferrari engine that Mercedes is either purposely not unlocking, unlocking all of their power to make the units last without penalty, or Ferrari just flat out have something extra in qualifying right now. Steve, what's the chat room saying? Well, to start with, EMH2212 says that he feels like this episode should come with a number for some kind of support hotline because it was such a terrible race for Vettel fans, just in case they feel down. Poor Vettel fans. They've barely had anything to celebrate over the last 10 years, have they? When when will they catch a break? <laughs> oh, well, they'll get one. Rob Graham says, uh, would like to know, when you were talking about the old circuit, um, Rob Graham wants to know, Spanners, were you even born the last time they went through the forest? I'm 37, so yes, maths. <laughs> okay. And fake, fake Charlie Whiting wants to know, does this podcast have a bar service? Ha <laughs> oh, um, Well, it does in the shed, Charlie, so open invitation to come and, come and hang out with us, Mark. In fact, if fake Charlie Whiting's here, let's try and convince him to call in on Skype later when we talk about the penalties. I can answer your call, Charlie. You give us your official fake stewards decision. Eventually, we had Kimi Raikkonen come in just to hold up Lewis Hamilton for a second or two. I think that, I think the anticipation there, I think we'd best go to Nick here. This is a common Ferrari tactic. Normally, they leave Kimi Raikkonen out so that people who are pitting have to pit in behind him and then get held up for a moment before they drift past. On this occasion, very different. There was no other reason was there to pit him except to put him in front of Lewis Hamilton with the intent of maybe causing him some trouble. It was actually a rather perplexing pit stop. He came in so early that Brundle was just found scratching his head and a lot of people were actually speculating that maybe he was going for a two-stopper for some reason, which would make no sense given the likelihood of rain. But he he didn't seem to really do a good job of holding up Hamilton at all because he immediately got on it. So it's it, it was possible that he was trying to play some sort of game to get Botas to try to cover him off, but it just did not work at all. It was, uh, it was hard to watch. They rather shot themselves in the foot, Ferrari, with, with that because what it ultimately did was put Raikkonen ahead of Vettel. Uh, which is, first of all, not what they wanted at all. They had to have this very, very awkward conversation with Kimmy to be like, oh, would you mind just losing <laughs> a bit of time? And But also costing Vettel time and performance in his tyres, which is just putting unnecessary pressure on the guy. Oh, wasn't it funny though, Nick? I mean, that was like an awkward date. That was like the scene of, you know, do you want to come upstairs? It was, oh, you know... It's getting awfully late. It's a bit late to walk all the way home. That was like jock clear to Kimi Raikkonen. And Kimi's like, 
I want to hear you say it. Tell me what you want. Yeah, it's like, uh, I guess it's like asking for consent and it's like, I'm going to need you to sign this contract. Yeah. And I'm going to need to say you, you to say that super clearly into this mic. Um, yes. uh, but how did you feel as Kimi Raikkonen was coming, uh, was coming under pressure from Sebastian Vettel at this stage in the game, round 11? Kimi Raikkonen is not in the Drivers' Championship. Were you just hoping for a, a wave by? Because I don't think Kimi Raikkonen wanted to. I, it seemed like he just wanted them to say it explicitly for some reason. Or it, there was maybe even a hint of, I don't really care. I'm happy to get out of the way, but just just tell me. Yeah, that was very much what it is. I mean, he knew why he'd been pitted early. He'd been pitted early to try and keep Lewis outside of uh, Vettel's pit window if it came down to it. Does he know and, that? Does he know? Do you think Kimmy knows? Yeah, he's been around the sport a pretty long time. He knows He knows if he's being asked to pit on lap 15 that, that he's being either used as bait or used to defend uh, Vettel's position. Uh, so that's he's it. On, really happy. on lap 15, it's, you know, box, box, box. And he's just thinking, I'm not going to win this one, am I? Yeah, exactly. That's what he's thinking. He's like, well, there goes whatever chance I had. And he had good pace in the car. He could have won the race. In fact, um, fascinatingly enough, the reason he wasn't in a better position ultimately came down to Kevin Magnuson on lap 51. But, you know, he sat there and Ferrari are telling him, oh, you know, Vettel needs to go fast. And he's like, well, look, what are you saying here? And what baffles me is that how many times have we heard a team get on the radio and say, so-and-so is on a different strategy to you. Please let them buy without a hassle, which is all they needed to have said to him because Vettel's pit stop was on 11 laps later. Because, and let's see if Sparkles is going to agree with me, because this was right up at the front of the race where potentially they both completed their final pit stop, potentially. So this was just for the race win, Chris. Well, what I don't quite understand is why... They pitted Kimi a lap later than uh, than when Valtteri pitted, because I th- you were always going to lose time with that. And actually, they ended up just handing the lead to to Lewis with that one. You're going to have to unpack that one for me, Matt. So, so what? What? Just for clarity, what I'm talking about is under the safety car. Oh right, no, what? no, we're talking about in the first pit stops. Uh, but I, th- I think they cost Kimi a potential win there. You know, they, they Ferrari still could have won that race. Uh, just going on to this uh, team orders a little bit more. Do you not think it was some delicious irony, Nick, that he was on the radio speaking to his engineer saying, come on, this is silly. Echoes of, was it Malaysia 2013? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am harassing you as the token Vettel fan, I suppose. Let's move on a little bit then, Matt. So, Matt, that does kind of bring us into the safety car region, doesn't it? The safety car being caused then by the changing conditions. Now, this was fascinating because as the rain started to come, people were sitting there wondering, should we come in? Should we come in? And I was screaming at the telly, leave Lewis Hamilton out. Leave Lewis Hamilton out. Because I felt that if they pitted him, the best he was going to do is fourth if it stayed dry. So that, that was the normal condition of that race. If Lewis Hamilton pits off his mediums onto some ultrasofts, he's going to end up in fourth place. As it happened, he pitted and the rain came a lap later. Yeah, they, they radioed him in and he's like, how many more laps can you give us? Because the rain is almost here. And he's like, one. So they brought him in. But they did because he'd managed to extend his stent. They were able to put him onto the ultra soft tires. And if it's going to be mixed conditions and you're not going to put on enters, 
then the ultra softs were definitely the tires you wanted to be on because they were the they were the stickiest tires available and they would give you the most lap time in the dry portions of the track and this is the way it, it worked out i mean he was a second and a half two seconds a lap faster than vettel raikkonen and botas ahead of him and verstappen who uh, came in for enters and then we get to lap 51 and the midfield is losing its collective mind because you have magnuson grosjean and hulkenberg catching stroll who was going amazingly slow and they have their own issues and magnuson loses two places and winds up basically taking raikkonen off the track which lets botas get ahead of him and that's crucial for what comes up under the safety car pits because if raikkonen had been ahead of botas ferrari would have brought him in for new car new tires and Botas would almost certainly have been left out to do the opposite. And then Hamilton, whose tires were ready in the pits, would have been the person in. That's the way I see it playing out had that pass not happened. And that would have changed everything. So that was a crucial pass. And then, of course, you had Vettel just going a little fast into, um, into the, the Saxa corner, locking up his rear tires and just putting it into the barriers. And, oh, ouch. I mean. Uh, we're thinking like, what was it, Canada, maybe? Was it 2011 with Button? The last time I've seen him do something like that? I don't know. It was brutal. It was painful to watch. And oh, oh, you could not help but feel race lead, home crowd, and bang. Let's hear from Chris at the chat room. And then let's hear what Bradley Philpot had to say about why Vettel crashed in that scenario. I was screaming at my television when the midfielders started to come in for intermediates because it just made absolutely no sense at the time like one corner was wet (laughs) and those tires were always going to burn out and i just think it was a simple case of they were what they were too busy watching the radars rather than what was actually right behind if they'd have turned around from the pit wall they would have seen that where they were it was still bright sunny and warm and dry gasly went on to full wet which is unbelievable what? like okay so nick i'm not an expert on tires but the full wets the whole point of them is when they're standing water it is carving out displacing water so that you can get onto the tarmac there wasn't any standing water it was damp i have a conspiracy theory yes i want to hear it come on this was all a subliminal Skittles ad. At the time that he went out on full wets, there was every single tire <laughs> compound available on the track at that time. We tasted the rainbow. But I think it was mostly a case of, if this works out, we'll look brilliant. Oh, the old button tactics. As, as much as I love that theory, uh, Nick. But even if the rain had suddenly come thundering down they still would have burnt up those wet tires in the space of a lap and a half and i honestly i don't think i've seen a more idiotic strategy choice in my life and i'm sorry if that sounds harsh on toro rosso but that was a dumb decision they made it was a bad enough decision choosing to go to intermediates the full wets they should maybe give whoever made that decision some time off maybe they were going for the hard tires And they got confused because they're both stupidly blue, which has been driving me crazy all year. Oh, imagine losing a race just because of the different shades of blue. Steve, how's the chat room getting on? It's busy today. It's very busy today. 
Um, David Montaigne says that the reason why Gasly went out with the full wets on, which I burst out laughing when I saw it, he said that uh, Toro Rosso mislabeled all their uh, warming blankets and they thought they were putting on ultrasofts onto his car. Uh, Hannah Hassels said that Ferrari's strategy department consists of Jeremy Clarkson, Amaki, and Boise from um, Only Fools and Horses, and of course they were going to make a bad mistake. And then Ray Thompson obviously says, He's not so sure about that because uh, the Ferrari strategy getting raked over the coals this time is a bit strange when they've been killing Mercedes in strategy all season long. Give them a break. Fair enough. Thank you very much, Chatroom, and thank you very much to you, Steve. Thanks for making us look very pretty on the video. I know we give you a lot of headaches, uh, but how long does it take to put together the post-produced episodes that people find after the fact by going to Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube? Well, that kind of depends. It depends on Sparkle's wall, usually. If it's a good day and it's behaving itself, then it takes about uh, two to three hours to edit together and then another hour and a bit to load it up to YouTube. If it's a bad day, it can take six or eight hours and then I feel like killing Sparkle's. I mean, do it. Don't hold back. But Steve, thank you very much. It is it is a quality product. So I recommend that even occasionally you just tune in and watch us on the video if you're listening to this on audio. So yeah, so like everybody said, uh, a rare racing error from Sebastian Vettel. We've seen him make errors wheel to wheel. We've seen him make rash decisions such as Baku. But just to see him drive off by himself, it's it's quite a rare thing. Now, he's not terrible in the rain, but he's certainly not one of these guys where the rain starts to fall and you think, aha, this is Vettel territory. You don't. You think of Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez, Kamui Kobayashi, I suppose Lewis Hamilton as well. Uh, but let's hear what Bradley Philpott had to say about what happened to Vettel's car. So what we saw today with Sebastian Vettel hitting the barrier was caused by a rear lockup as he braked on the approach to the Sachs curve. So as he's running up to the corner, he brakes a little bit too late for the conditions. Um, and he realizes that very early on, he makes lots of micro corrections. You see him moving the steering wheel quite um, quickly around the center. He's trying to correct the rear, he's trying to stop the rear from sliding, but it all becomes a little bit too much as he gets closer to the corner and he has to apply the brakes harder. The rear really snaps um, and he turns right to correct that slide and that then sends him straight towards the wall. Now, you could ask, is that an overcorrection? And the answer is no, he's using the correct amount of opposite lock for the situation. It just so happens that he's up against the side of the track. He's just run out of room. It is a choice uh, of either spinning or potentially hitting the barriers, but it's not a choice he would have consciously made. Everything that happened from the moment he touched the brakes would have been completely subconscious. There's no way you'd have time to think about the situation and then think about how much opposite lock to apply. It's totally subconscious to a professional driver. And it just so happens that he was close enough to the edge of the track that there was nowhere for him to go. So there's no good driver who would ever have just allowed the car to spin. He wouldn't have been able to stop his body from applying that opposite lock. The problem is, once he's off the track, there's no grip whatsoever, and it was just a one-way ticket to the barrier. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, that, because obviously the car has started to go, so instinctively, he's trying to wrestle it back. Like He couldn't possibly have known that the, that the downside of saving it, if you like, was going into the barrier. He wasn't going to do the Roman Grosjean, which is deliberately let it spin, pointing into traffic, and then floor it which is apparently another legitimate method of saving a car that's going to spin. But normally, yeah, of course, I think Bradley Philpott's right. Nick, do you like this? It's an old school track. I know it's your driver that's succumbed to it, but people are always calling for gravel and a barrier. If you make a mistake, you're out. 
I guess it would be awfully hypocritical for me to say that I like gravel and then curse it when something like this happens. So I'm going to be honest and I'm not going to flip flop and I'm going to say, yeah, I, I still do not prefer miles and miles of runoff. And I personally prefer some of the historical tracks. I still, I still like that. It's that it's skinny. Sorry. Sorry, Nick. I did do that on purpose. I beg your pardon. Uh, no, but yeah, but okay. So that's what we saw. We saw the example of a driver making a mistake and being punished for it. Julian Palmer on the BBC practice sessions was talking about the difference between the out and out looking for tenths when you're in the dry, say in, in qualifying, for example, and then the difference when you're in the wet where there really is an extra hazard to just keeping it on the track and just feeling every second. Have you got grip? Have you not got grip? I mean, me in a go-kart, I basically write the whole day off. Like at the last mistakes, Apex Karting, it was wet. I just ripped the whole event off and tried to have some fun because it's it's just a different game completely. Um, Matt, do you think he was aware, as Low Stealth in the chat room is saying, do you think he was aware that Hamilton was catching him that quickly? And at that point, Hamilton was already on the ultras, wasn't he? So it was Seb on wearing mediums and then Lewis Hamilton on new ultras. So all the balls were in Hamilton's court. Like he had all the advantages at this point. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure Vettel went on to the soft. Um, soft. Well, oh, right. Yeah. So, so gosh, this is why this is confusing. I want this to end. I meant the middle one of the three, which it, yeah. by well, all rights just, should be called the medium, shouldn't it? Yes. Well, this is, this, this is where you are on board with Liberty and just three choices, no matter what they actually are, where those of us who are interested in these things would like to know the precise details. I still feel like both audiences could be served easily and happily. But regardless, the middle compound of the three on offer was what he was running. I don't think I don't think Ferrari was too concerned about it at that point because he would have had to have gotten by. Um, at that point, uh, both Botas and Raikkonen were ahead of Hamilton, and he would have needed to get by both of them. And he might have been able to get by Raikkonen, but uh, Botas would have put up a fairly stout defense, and they are in the same car. So, so I don't think it was, would, I don't think they were going to worry about Hamilton until there was no one between Hamilton and Vettel. And at lap 51, 52, you've got, what was it, uh, 67 laps? I mean, you're, you're coming to the end of the race. So they, and, and with the conditions being what they are, it, it was anybody's ball game at that point. And I suppose Ferrari could have been justified in thinking that maybe Lewis Hamilton would run out of those ultrasofts, them being two steps lighter, and him having pitted with a fair bit of the race to go for the option tyre. Nick, you were just trying to get in there with a quick quip. I was going to spit your own recommendation back at you and uh, say that you should watch NASCAR, where we call it the yeller tyre. But um, <laughs> I, I think when Hamilton pitted for the ultras, he had about 25 laps left, which was how far Seb made it on his. So uh-huh. I, I don't think that's right. I think they weren't hoping that they were going to run out. I think they could have gone to the end. I mean, Matt, really, this race just fell to Lewis Hamilton. Like, he had to do a good job. And I think he did. I think he did everything right. He had all the pace in the world. And who knows what he would have done in qualifying. He needed a fair slice of luck to go and finish the job. But I mean, the potential was there. Now, let's just talk about then what would have happened had Sebastian Vettel not crashed into the wall. Would he have gone on to win this race? Um, Given the fact that the track mostly dried after those laps and and Vettel was on the stouter compound at that point, 
I tend to think the probability was very much in the favor because the running order would not have changed. Uh, I think think it, it was it was probable that it, it would have been difficult for for Lewis to win the race. I think I think uh, P two was a possibility, but consider he would have had to have taken a lot of life out of his tires to get round Raikkonen, and, and even if Mercedes told Valtteri to let him by because different tires, different strategy, and that was accomplished. By the time he got to Vettel, it's not so much the tires wouldn't make it to the end; it's how much performance would have been left in them at that point. He would have had a matter of probably a couple of laps at best to um to get clear of them uh, i i just i don't see it happening if nothing else changed sparkles yeah, i uh, i uh, agree w- with matt in that he wouldn't have won the race it would have been quite difficult um because i think kimmy would have done everything in his power to hold uh hamilton up if if nothing else to make up for the fact that he held vettel up for <laughs> for 15 laps after his pit stop um but uh, yeah i mean valtteri would have been told to let him go depending on how quick he would have gotten past Kimi. I think the win would have been a bit of an ask, but ironically, uh, Vettel helped out his championship rival today in more ways than one by crashing. So let's just unpack a little bit what happened then after the safety car. Now, th- it's going to get controversial, guys. All right. I hope we're all ready for it. First of all, what a disaster for Valtteri Bottas, because Valtteri Bottas has got gone into the pits. And now uh, you can clarify for me. I believe they just had the wrong tyres out. I think they came out with wets, but what they wanted was slicks. No, what was it, Matt? Um, they had a pair of softs for Hamilton ready to go when he pulled into the pits. Oh, no. So at that point, who was ahead on track, Bottas or Hamilton? Bottas. Right. So when Bottas went into the pits, my instant thought was, oh, no. Oh, no. Lewis Hamilton's going to get double stacked. And when they were faffing around with the tyres, I think it was a 20-second stop in the end, was it? That was my thought was Hamilton's going to come in. He's going to get double stacked. But then he never appeared in the pit lane. And I was going, well, where is he? Where's Hamilton? And of course, now we know that he he dipped out uh, at the last second uh, and avoided it. So what were his instructions? It was just he was he was trying to do the opposite of Kimi Raikkonen. He was told to do the Uh, opposite of Raikkonen. But the radio call, when you listen to it on, on, on on the TV, you get a sense of like how insane that moment must have been for everybody because basically they told him to come in and then they told him to stay out and then they told him to come in again to the point where when he came in he was already past the safety car line and cut over and then cut back across the grass to go back out and as he's on the grass they call him back in again and and at that point he was like i'm done with you i kimmy's staying out i'm staying out which actually turned out to be a great choice because uh, Ferrari bringing him in, bringing in Raikkonen a lap later, left Lewis ahead of everybody. So Kim, so Ferrari didn't bring Kimi in at first, but then decided to bring him in. Yeah, they did. And again, you know, I, the reason for that was, well, I don't know. I don't know. Stevens looks like he wants, Stevens looks like he has a reason. So let's, let's see what he has to say. Well, as, as I was going to say, this is what I was alluding to earlier with Raikkonen, um, which is that, you know, he had track position. Uh, and although, yeah, he would have been on older soft tires while everyone was on ultra soft, it seemed like it may have been worth uh, just give Lewis Hamilton uh, the, the clear track. And it must be said, you know, that decision, that very, very late call to not come into the pit was the race winning moment. All right. But Nick. 
Was it? I was too- just going to say China was so recently that I don't buy that stay out on old tires for track position argument for a minute. I mean, he had pitted on lap 15. Those tires were, were very old. He would not have put up much of a defense at all, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it a few times. I think in Bahrain as well, Mercedes decided to opt for track position and were mocked for it because, you know, it was a, a track where you could breeze by trumpets. Well, interesting thought. Had they brought Raikkonen in, he would have certainly jumped Botas and might have emerged because of the, um, I, I don't know how fast Hamilton was going at that point because of the safety car, but he would have either been right up on Hamilton with brand new ultra soft tires, which was a huge, you saw what Botas did with yep. those tires <laughs> on the safety, uh, on the restart. That could have been Raikkonen had he come in and taken uh, tires that lap. So if you're going to look at things with hindsight, yeah, there's another potentially missed opportunity for Ferrari right there. Yes, yeah, see, that's the thing. So why didn't they bring Raikkonen in straight away? Why did they leave him out an extra lap as if they're going to be like, oh, we're just going to go for the track position and then bring him in a lap later? He was always going to lose out in that scenario. It makes no they sense. Were, they were probably just in shock. Well, and, and keep yeah, in that's mind... True. Uh, that's a big factor. Just, that's true. They, they're all sitting there going, well, our, our only real drivers just crashed out. Oh, Kimmy's still on track, guys! You know, they probably started packing right. up. There. I'm going to get hate mail for this, but, I mean, if, if Kimmy would have finished P2 ahead of Bottas, would it really have mattered? Nope. Uh, Fair enough. Yeah, no, for the constructors, I think they but, would have been tied on points instead of Mercedes from, ahead. But from Ferrari's perspective, does that even matter? I, I mean, let's just be honest. Uh, when is a win is a win, and the money goes with the constructors. But They get money you, anyway, Matt. Uh, but to me, I think the issue is a lot of these drivers are told, they're given these scenarios ahead of time and given specific instructions. If Ferrari's ahead, do the opposite to them. If Mercedes is ahead, do the opposite to them. And I'm certain. That's why Kimmy stayed out for that lap. The question is why no one at Ferrari was able to was able to say, no, we should actually follow him in because we'll have because we're going to need to give him new tires because of the rain. He'll be too disadvantaged on the old soft tires. Well, I think if we if we look at uh, Ferrari's strategy in general today, it was incredibly Vettel centric. It wasn't two cars bringing it home. They thought they had a two to one advantage. They used their spare man and went zonal on the defense. I don't think it's a massive surprise that they then dropped the ball when Kimi Raikkonen was left. I think Nick makes a great point. They were in shock. They had that race in the palm of their hands. They've let it go. It's absolutely devastating. And they've just dithered on the strategy. I think why put down to malice what you can account to incompetence or something, something, something. I think they just simply made a mistake today. So let's then set the scene as we come out behind the safety car. And we don't worry. We are going to talk about the Hamilton incident, cutting the grass, calm down. Uh, We've got Hamilton on slightly older ultrasofts, but showing great pace. We've got Valtteri Bottas behind with good new ultrasofts. And we've got Kimi Raikkonen also with ultrasofts behind. So we've got a, a straight race. And you would think Lewis Hamilton's at a disadvantage. Now, this gets fascinating for team orders and team ethics because you'd like to think it's race 11. We're at the sharp end. Valtteri's got a new contract probably says number two in it somewhere or will aid the best wishes of the team in certain scenarios something to that effect okay he's just got a new contract for next year and the year after i just thought that bottas would go line astern but chris he came out of the blocks in the safety car absolutely 
went for it. Lewis Hamilton had to use every bit of his defensive skill to hold off his teammate. In a scenario like this, the world championship title rival contender is in the wall. And the number two driver at Mercedes is giving it everything to take the race win from Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, punchy stuff from Valtteri. I was thoroughly enjoying the the half lap that they were properly uh, racing side by side before Mercedes intervened. And I completely sympathize with Mercedes on, you know, that decision. Um, it is a massive shame. Hang on, let's just say uh, the decision yeah. eventually came after Valtteri Bottas had a good go. It said, ease off, we're not doing this, hold station. Exactly, yeah. And it's a, it's a real shame because... Those few corners where you see two Mercedes side by side, I don't think it gets much better than that. It was really good. Not quite Hamilton Rosberg, was it, Trumpets? Because you did sense that Hamilton had the pace. And I think in the end, was he pulling away a second a lap? Well, in the end is irrelevant because the, the, the race was over once that call was made. But you were very correct when you said that Hamilton was at a disadvantage having taken 11 laps. 12 laps of tread off of his tire, it was much more difficult for him to get them back up to temperature. Uh, whereas on brand new tires that had been in, in, in warmers for Botas, he, he was able to get them there much quicker and he had a significant pace. He would have had a significant pace advantage for about the first three quarters or of a lap to a lap till Hamilton was able to get his properly up to temperature. So that was his moment to pounce and he knew it and he wasted no time. And in giving Lewis a very, very, very stout run for his money before Mercedes shut it all down. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Okay, I just want to go then and assure people that we are going to talk about this penalty. But first, very quickly, I want to ask my good friend here, my partner in crime, about his weekend. Now, at the beginning of the show, Matt, we alluded to your FIA accreditation or just accreditation. As Chris liked to point out to me, there's no such thing as FIA accreditation. You were accredited for an event. And now, 
Chris has been doing this for a long time. No big deal to him. Uh, people like Summers and, and that come on here and, oh, yeah, no big deal, swanning around the paddock. To mugs like you and me, who've been watching it from the other side of the sofa, to go to an FIA event, which was the New York E-Prix, that must have been just incredible with that journo pass around your neck. It was jaw-dropping to be there, to wander the pit lane, to talk to people like Alan McNish, Louis-Marie Blondel, the head of engineering for Venturi, uh, to talk to Jean-Eric Verne, to talk to the drivers, Andre Lauderer, and, but also to talk to the other journalists and, and, and just the, the people that are always part of the event, to see that side of it and to appreciate the job that they have to do for what it really is. And uh, I'll tell you the things that amazed me most were the schedule that you have to keep if you're going to do a proper job. And just the sheer amount of running back and forth across. There were three bridges to cross to get from the media center to the to the to the pit lane. But just the just the sheer amount of work that goes into it is pretty staggering. Great. I can't wait to hear all about that. You are going to be recording an e-radio show review, presumably at some point. Yeah, probably before the season starts again. <laughs> well, e-radio is now officially part of Missed Apex podcast, stable of podcasts. The feed has changed to an ACAST feed. So if you're an e-radio subscriber, very soon you might have to resubscribe, although there is a redirect in place. Chris, you were with Sparkles, uh, with uh, Trumpets as well. How did he do? Uh, he did all right for a, for a rookie. Got caught in the, the trap of taking photos of things he wasn't allowed <gasps> to take photos. Gasp. <laughs> Pulled off by Mark Preston a little bit, but we've all we've all been there. Like you can always just reuse that rookie. So like, oh, I didn't it's know. It's my I was first day. Of that. Mark it Preston. Would be a shame if I uploaded them. Mark Preston <laughs> but, being the team boss of Tachita, of course. Uh, really interested to hear about you guys' experiences at the New York Epre and what has been a very fascinating season. Sam Bird, Britain's Sam Bird, very much in contention right up until the last weekend. So search for E Radio Show at some point if you can get around to it. Matt can be found at MattPT55 on the internet and chris is c now nah, go on you tell me c stevens underscore journo for my formerly antics i've been working on a lot of off-season content which i'm actually really 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 excited about so check it out okay then we have no whose fault is it this week unbelievably so we're going to talk about the penalty right some of us disagree as i alluded to to the live stream i think believe it or not and please don't hang me hamfosi I think that there is absolutely no way, I'm going to go to Nick first, I think there's no way you should be able to basically come into the pits, leave the track to go into the pits, and then decide not to go into the pits, and then rejoin over grass, and that's somehow okay. When As soon as I saw that, I thought, he's in trouble there. Yeah, so it, it very much feels like a regular motoring kind of incident like if you're going down the freeway and somebody's on an exit and they go oh wait this isn't my exit and they <laughs> drive across a solid line a diagonal triangle and then another solid line back into the interstate that is dangerous and i think any sort of irregular dangerous driving can be penalized that there's like a very specific catch-all rule for that and there's a lot of people out there saying, you know, he rejoined safely. It's like, well, when he did that, there wasn't anybody going down the highway at that very second. So it's totally a safe and reasonable thing to do. I don't agree at all. Um, I just want to say 
I really, if you're going to penalize somebody for that, though, please do it before you put him on the top step of the podium. Tell me what the result of the game is before I get in my car and go home from said game. I agree with you, Nick, on there, in that it was very, very annoying that two hours after a Grand Prix is finished, we don't know if the winner was actually the winner. And I would very much like to have seen an investigation made immediately, not 45 minutes after the race. But um, So can we just clear the record and, and somebody tell me what the final verdict was? It was a reprimand. Okay, see, I don't even know that. Well, That's how confusing it is. That just, I think, adds to my point a little bit, that it's very hard to follow. There you go. But before um, before I kind of give my opinion on it, I would like to kind of point out, I've seen a lot of references to Kimi Raikkonen in Baku, Felipe Massa in Brazil, and they are not comparable situations because at a lot of races, you get race notes, uh, race director's notes, which are specific to those Grand Prix, which did not apply to this one. So those kind of races where this has happened before, they're not comparable. Oh, man, man, do I want fake Charlie Whiting to call in, Mark. If you're here and you want to call in on Skype, we will answer your call. Because Kimi Raikkonen was penalised for Annex L, Chapter 4, something, something 4. It was L44. Exactly the same rule that Lewis Hamilton has been pinged for breaking today. I think I've got Chris then trumpets. Well, see, at that race... Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to have to interrupt you, Chris. Someone much better is here. Uh, definitely in his wheelhouse. Hi, Mark. We've got fake Charlie Whiting on the line. What is your fake verdict? Hello. Yeah. Hi, Mark. What's your fake verdict? Fake Charlie Whiting here on Miss Apex Podcast. Well, there's a few things we got to cover here. First of all, it was very naughty. But naughty alone doesn't get you in trouble with the stewards. So the other thing is, uh, as soon as I saw it, I knew something was off. But you have to rely on the regulations. And then I think as Chris just said, there's regulations and then there are circuit specific event notes that the race director uh, goes over with the drivers and the driver briefings and publishes. So there were, there were two things that were of interest to me first in the uh, event notes, which were specific for uh, this race uh, in, in, in eight dot two, it said for sa- for safety reasons, drivers must stay to the right of the bollard at the pit entry when entering the pits. They didn't do that, or Lewis didn't do that. He, he passed by right, but he didn't stay right. And to me, staying right is the key thing. Um, but the ultimate arbiter of this, the thing the stewards found Lewis in breach of, was in the International Sporting Code, uh, Appendix L, Chapter 4, Article 4D. And for those not familiar, the ISC governs all FIA-sanctioned motorsport. It's sort of the governing document for all kinds of things about drugs and driver behavior, licenses. But that basically they found him in breach of he you crossed the line and you were not permitted to do that. Thus, they found him guilty and reprimanded him, which that's where I think the debate really lies, because these things are there not just for entertainment purposes. They are there for safety and to be um, hopefully uh, something that dissuades drivers from doing these things in the future. If they know they're going to get big penalties for that lose uh wins or lose podiums but in this case uh you know they decided not to in your in your fake experience do you think that he's basically got away with a slap on the wrist i think lewis should fall to his knees and pray again and thank that the stewards <laughs> get got, let him off so lightly fake charlie whiting thanks so much for dropping in on missed apex podcast no worries worries have fun see ya 
Look how far we've come. Celebrity friends dropping in. Let's go to Sparkles first. There, there are a couple of kind of mitigating circumstances to this unique scenario, which kind of contributed to why Lewis was basically acquitted and, and let off with a slap on the wrist, and which were the confusion of the strategy that the team fully admitted to. They told him to come in, which was the wrong decision. And that played a part in it as well. But also that the safety car was out. So everybody's running at a reduced speed anyway, and Lewis did not rejoin the track in a in a dangerous way. And those combined factors meant that a reprimand was a more of a appropriate penalty for the situation. Yeah. So if you're going to read from the stewards' document, you should just probably say these are the reasons that the stewards gave, which you ran down. But entertainingly enough, for those of you who 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 feel that the penalty was inappropriate. At the bottom, it says the following competitors are reminded that they have the right to appeal the decisions of the stewards with certain exceptions in accordance with Article 15 of the FIA International Sporting Code. So to me, that reads that the door is open for Ferrari or another competitor to file an appeal if they feel that this decision was inappropriate and it would be adjudicated. Uh, thusly, I don't think that they will. I, I think that it's, uh, as Chris stated and as the, as the stewards have pointed out, it was kind of a weird and unique uh, consideration. And only the only thing it would really save his bacon was a situation of force majeure, something that they could not have controlled, for example, had he lost control of the car and bounced out onto the grass. That would have been that. But clearly he was in control of the car. They didn't have much of an argument other than yeah. They themselves were hopelessly confused about what they wanted, and that result played out in the way their driver handled the situation. So in our defense, we didn't know what we were doing. Fantastic. There we go. And I'd just like to say, as somebody who spent about six months in phase two training in a room of seven Scotsmen who made me watch Braveheart at least on a weekly basis, I was not surprised at all that on the Sky commentary, Paul DeResta was jumping up and down saying, oh, if I was Ferrari, I'd be jumping up and down and going to the stewards. By the way, this thing, that's what you should be going to the stewards for. Yeah, cheers, Paul. Yeah, we're one we're one nation for now, you know. Right, Steve, what's the chat room up to? <laughs> that rant caught me off kilter. That was a good rant. Um... European says that Hamilton should have gotten a black flag, and in this case, that's an obligatory listening session for the great American punk band, and then he should have got beaten up by Henry Rollins, too. <laughs> okay. Savage. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Ray Thompson says that John Todd must be shaking and irate because, of, you know, he's heavily into, uh, you know, safety on the roads and that sort of thing, and that was one of the most unsafe things we've seen. And EMH2212 uh, proposes a new FIA rule, and that is that divine intervention is not permitted under any circumstances, <laughs> and any and any indication of any deity acting for any single driver will result in a disqualification. Seven Hail Marys and one Our Father. Thank you very much, chat room. And the anti chat room comment of the week, like the not comment of the week, I don't have a jingle for that, is that Ray Thompson saying, that's the worst Scottish impression I've ever heard. Put that side by side with DeResta and Andy Murray and any other Scotsman, and it's completely identical. America. Let's talk about America, Matt. The Haas boys. I had, I had another cheeky punt today, and I must say, betting overall on this season, I am 600% up on my initial stake. 
because I think I understand how to have a healthy flutter. However, there were some ads put in error on this show last week that were advertising gambling sites. We had made a conscious decision not to do that. And I apologize to anyone who was offended by gambling ads being run on this show. However, I have to say I'm, I'm not against the flutter. Uh, I believe that when you gamble, you should be gambling against the bookie, against the odds, not on who you think will win, unless it's the Grand National and it's your yearly flutter, that's fine. Generally, you bet with the odds. Now, the bookies had Lewis Hamilton so long for what I thought his chances were of getting on the podium today. Another one they underestimated was Kevin Magnussen, because I felt that had, in in, in all normal circumstances, those horses were going to run around best of the rest, and they probably might not have had to deal with Hamilton if things went wrong at the back, and they probably wouldn't have had to deal with Ricardo as well. So really, I felt like you only needed one or two things going wrong, wrong up front, and you could have had a house on the podium. But they, I mean, they blew it. They didn't just blow it once, Matt. They blew it several times. Yeah, well, they made that classic rookie strategy error of racing their teammates, their teammates, their competitors, uh, when, when they were the faster car. So they they saw Hulkenberg coming in for the enters and they they pitted to follow, and uh, that did not work out very well for them in the long run because the faster times were still being run on the dry tires. And Mercedes even announced it on Claire. They said they told flat out, you you're still faster in the two dry sectors than you're losing time in the wet. That's why we're keeping you on these tires. I mean, the information was there for anyone who was paying attention. It just it never got to the crossover point. And I believe they lost uh, most of their time uh, double stacking in the pit. So Magnuson had an off that led by Hulkenberg and Grosjean. And then in, they double stacked him in the pits that put Magnuson way behind. However, Grosjean, who has been pilloried quite a bit for his um, driving adventures, still managed to finish sixth overall. So it, it was a pretty, bo- pretty big comeback once the safety car was lifted for them because that was not yeah. where he started. Well, it's a testament to how much of a feature Haas are becoming now week in, week out. And there is a distinct B group, isn't there? And we kind of thought it was going to be Force India versus Renault. Um, for a little while, Alpha looked like, yeah, that's right, I'm calling them Alpha, looked like they were going to threaten but I think Haas has now said, no, no, we are going to be there. So now this is the time to shine. For journeyman drivers like Magnussen and Grosjean, this is absolutely the time to shine. And overall, Magnussen's doing the better job. Yeah, he is. He um, And he was the one who argued extensively to bring on the tire engineer, the Bridgestone tire engineer, to help them understand the tires better. And he's attributing a lot of their performance to that. And so I guess I argued the Ferrari engine was behind it. But you could equally say that their ability to get the tires properly in the window for qualifying could also be where we're seeing Ferrari just far ahead of Renault and Force India. And and um, yeah. I guess, do we throw McLaren in there? No, nah, not really. Mm, no. And I, and I really do hope Magnussen's going to do well. I know speaking to Joe Sayward last week, he thought he was going to do well. There's a Ferrari horse in the back of that Haas. Does, uh, does that give you hope, uh, other American Nick Alexander? It does, but I was just going to point out that there was obviously some good news for German fans in Nico Hulkenberg's finishing position. Of course, yes. And while it does, it does seem when you've been watching, at least especially the last couple of races where the Haas has qualified, it does seem like they're kind of the best of the rest. 
But Hulkenberg has actually almost as many points as Grosjean and Magnussen combined and is very dominantly in that P7. Um, he, he would be running away with the, with the Formula B championship right now, if it were. And there's just, you just really don't get a lot of coverage of that. I mean, yeah. at the end of the race, we're showing Hamilton circle around, counting down the laps until he hits the checkered flag. Meanwhile, Grosjean's going from what, P9 to P6 or something like that. And you don't, they don't even show it. Okay. Nick, new job for you, uh, to manage. Okay. So let's, let's really monitor this B formula. <laughs> So how do you think we should do it? I'm not saying you should be the one to count it up, but your your number's Alexander, so maybe you should. Should we do it that we award points as if the top six didn't exist, so that the best of the rest gets 25 points? Or should we do it by counting up the actual points they have in the championship? What's the fairest way to assess this B, this B race? I mean, I think the latter is, is the easiest. If you just yeah. look at the standings and you just draw a horizontal line after P6, then I think it tells a, tells a pretty fair story. But it's interesting, though, because obviously there's a lot of competition after the places 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. So I thought it might be interesting interesting to incorporate that. And I'll bet there's a site out there that is doing it. Yeah, but it's it's not really fair because if you didn't start the points until those guys, then you'd have points paying positions that they wouldn't actually be fighting for on track. So, But it, it does kind of – they say, at least in interviews, that they are – fighting for p12 p13 but <laughs> not, i don't i don't i don't know if that's really true plus if alonso's there he's faked to retirement so that that's distorts it again yeah sparkles oh 100 no i mean if you're not in, inside the top 10 I, I could name you countless drivers who just give in um at that point i think i think looking at just the standings themselves is is pretty good and i'd say that uh i i still think renault are going to be the ones that take that that fourth place in the constructors but uh, that's me just very quickly i'd like to just say that i would hope to maybe see nico hulkenberg in the haas instead of grosjean in the future and that could be something that we keep an eye on where grosjean goes and who takes his seat because i think it is desirable now yeah absolutely because because me and matt have been periodically grosjean fans but or at least well wishers because he was a young star coming through, but he's made that harder and harder. I will quickly mention that fellow Missed Apex contributor, Anil Palmar, uh, had a bet with me. Uh, I think it's a cookie and a beer that we got to in the end in negotiations about who would finish higher, Renault or Force India. So I had Force India. Can you imagine the look on my face as the two Force Indias shuffle each other off to the right of the track? And Hulkenberg not only takes those places, but comes on the radio and just goes, yeah, thanks for that. Yeah, just to rub salt in the wound. No, thanks, thanks a bunch, Matt. Right. So we were talking about unexpected results, and did you know? I'm going to go do my very best Sean Kelly impression right now. Did you know that Brendan Hartley today doubled his Hall of Championship points by finishing tenth? Wow. Okay. Great. <laughs> Excellent. That's a great statistic. Well, yeah. Ericsson nearly did. He went from two points to five. Sparkles, have yeah. you got a great statistic as well? Well, the the Hartley thing came about because of science penalty, oh. <laughs> but overtaking under the safety car. Not to take anything away from Brendan, because I think he's great, but uh, we hadn't mentioned the science penalty. So I thought I'd just chuck that in there. Fair enough. Um, shall we hear from the chat room one more time before we go to the podium, Steve? Sure. They've been having a bit of a discussion about the trophies that, are, that were given out on the podium. Um. <clears throat> Well, this is the perfect time to talk about it. We're about to go to the podium. What do they say? They, they yeah, were horrible. Uh, okay. 
<laughs> well, they do. They, uh, EMH2212 says the German trophies ought to be in a, the rubbish skip tonight were it not for the Germans' rigid no-trash recycling policy. Cadenath um, Ayer says the German trophies look so awful that I'm sure that's why Vettel crashed deliberately so as not to spoil his trophy cabinet. Go on, Trumpets. Are we going to do the race in 60 before the podium or not? I didn't know you had one. You have a race in 60 seconds. That's fantastic. A hundred percent. Let's do it. What did you think I was sat there doing before the show started writing all that stuff on the notepad? What, what do you think that was? I thought you were just deliberately being slow with the sound check to make my life difficult on purpose because you hate me. And this podcast and all the previous programs we've done have been a six years plot to make me slowly lose my mind. Ah, I see. Well, now that now you've given me an idea for the next show, but right. Let's hear about the race in 60 seconds. Lights out. Botas doesn't pass Vettel. Verstappen doesn't pass Raikkonen. Raikkonen doesn't hit Hamilton. Grosjean <laughs> goes wide. Ocon gets Hamilton. Hamilton gets Ocon. Alonso, Leclerc, Sainz, Grosjean, Perez, Hulkenberg, Magnussen. Ricciardo gets Gasly, Van Dorn, Hartley, Stroll, Sorotkin, Erickson, Ocon. Raikkonen pits. Magnussen pits. Perez pits. It's slow. Vettel pits. Botas doesn't pit. Botas does pit. Verstappen pits. Raikkonen lets Vettel by. Finally, Hamilton pits. Rain. Verstappen pits, enters, Magnuson squeezes Raikkonen, Raikkonen off, Botas gets Raikkonen, rain worse, Vettel crashes, safety car, Botas pits, wrong tires, Hamilton pits, does, doesn't, does, Raikkonen <laughs> pits, safety car in, Botas on Hamilton, James Allen says, nope, checkers, Hamilton wins, wait, might not have won, the stewards are involved, might possibly have not won, but Vettel definitely lost, and it's a reprimand, he turns out to have won after all. And appropriately, I started the podium music too early. Oh, man, that was not a relaxing time. Sitting there, refreshing, everybody hammering F5 in the internet all around the world, trying to find out if Hamilton got a penalty. I'm sitting there trying to relax, but even the thought of a penalty as a Hamilton fan, I'm, like, fully triggered. And and there's, like, this huge cognitive dissonance in my mind because I'm fully thinking... Yeah, that is a nailed on penalty. Like he's definitely got to get some kind of punishment for that. And then my instinct to respond to what I would call trolls on the internet. I go, no, rubbish. He definitely shouldn't have that race win taken away from him. It, it was a horribly tense time. I even stopped. I went off and had dinner with my family. I came back. It still hadn't been announced. Whoa, what a palaver, Matt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it was it was insane, all the waiting and stuff like that. But I I, I have to say on a personal note, Wow, that was quite a buzz to do that thing. Anyway. <laughs> we do love the race in 60 seconds. I think I like it in that position before the podium. Sets us up nicely for the awards. And our awards aren't as ugly as the monstrosities mentioned by the chat room that were the prizes for the German Grand Prix. Although I'm assured by my artsy-fartsy wife that all art is subjective and that is beautiful in some way or another. It wasn't, and neither were the gorillas. Actually, I like the gorillas. They're fine. I'm flip-flopping. Yes, no, uh, the gorillas were, were definitely on for a return next time we go back. Oh, they're different. Who cares? It's only art. It's subjective. Some things and what the thing looks like is barely important. It, does it denote who the winner was? Yes, fine. It can be a donut as far as I care. Uh, in fact, one of the awards at the Missed Apex Karting event is a cake. And that is for the winner of the heavy category is a, a Missed Apex cake. So you've got a heavy category. Can I ask? Is there a master's category? 
like an old person's category. Where, where do you want to set that limit? Do you want to set that exactly one year below your age? I, I would go for 50 and above. I that wonder. Seems, that's what it is in cycling. I think you might be the oldest person there. There's one team that's coming in that I don't know anything about at all. But yeah, let, shall, let's have a Masters category and we'll have a Missed Apex Zimmer frame uh, will be the trophy for that. But let's go to our awards. The thing of the weekend. Nick Alexander, who gets your thing of the weekend for the German Grand Prix? There was some YouTube videos that the official Formula One account put out about the history of the track. They explained the the forest section, yeah. kind of aerial views of where those two come together. And they also had a tribute to Jim Clark, who died there 50 years ago in a in an F2 race. And I just I really like the history behind the sport and I, I really appreciate everything that they're doing and kind of there's just a little bit more focus on on bringing some history to the fans who uh, may not have been there in 1968. Now, you're a German speaker. You have roots to Germany. So a particularly special Grand Prix for you. Yeah. So I was an exchange student in college in Bavaria and um, it, I was there for seven months and it kind of became a, a home away from home and very formative years for me. Learned a lot about myself and, of course, about my own country. You get that reverse culture shock when you get back. And when they show the aerial view of the area and um, it's somewhere that I've been through on a train to get to Frankfurt and stuff like that, it kind of it kind of brings me back. And it it is it's it's special. Entschuldigung bitte. Wo ist das neben Krankenhausen? That is German words that I learned from school. Chris Stevens, you're going to say a thing and then tell us who was your thing of the weekend. I'm so glad you said Miss Apex Zimmer frame because that's a whole new branch of merchandising we can have for older people who listen to the show, like walking sticks, Werther's Originals, soft mints. I think my thing of the weekend uh, is going to be Roman Grosjean, though, because despite Haas's blunders with the intermediate tyres, he still brought it home in a really great position with a very, very strong uh, final 10 laps. Well deserved. Uh, who haven't we had yet? Matt, who is your thing of the weekend? Wow, this is a really challenging one, but I'm going to have to go with the weather. <laughs> yes, thank oh, you. Oh boy, weather. did it make that race exciting. Marcus Ericsson, king of the sea, brought forth moisture. Last week, he did it with a safety car. This time, he called the sea creatures with his will to spew water onto the track. Thank you once again, Marcus Ericsson. And this time, he did it without sending Roman Grosjean off the track, which is rare. I'm going to give my thing of the weekend award to Valtteri Bottas. Congratulations on his new contract. He's clearly done enough, politically and on the track, to secure a race seat with one of the top two teams in Formula One. So you can't say he's done a terrible job. He's, I think Mercedes would have dropped him if they felt his performance wasn't good. And then today, he's managed to put in a performance that is representative of his level and status within the team. He was unlucky in places with that pit stop, and he gave it a darn good go against one of the best wheel-to-wheel racers of a generation. So for me, uh, uh, Valtteri Bottas gets that. Now, Steve, Give us a thing of the weekend from you and from the chat room. Well, from me, I think uh, I was going to go with the weather too, but Matt's got me there. So um, I'd have to give my thing of the week to Kimmy. And that's for the radio, for making the pit wall absolutely spell out what they wanted him to do when they wanted him to pull over and let Vettel go by. At least then the whole world knows <laughs> what's going on. So I'll give him that. <laughs> um, 
the, the thing of the week from the um, from the chat room seems to be about. I think it's about Kimmy, and the the, the thing of the week is uh, should be given to the Ferrari team because. There is no Kimi strategy plan. He's just on Seb's strategy plan. Yeah, and yet he sticks at it. I, I would love just an off-the-record point with Kimi Raikkonen where he either says, I- I'm trying earnestly, I'm-, I'm fighting politically for my place in the team, or he just turns around and says, have you any idea how much fun it is to be an F1 driver earning millions of pounds with absolutely no pressure on results? It's aces. And then, you know... That apparently you can't just have an off-the-cuff pint with Kimmy. It's got to be an off-the-cuff barrel. <laughs> Meh. Yeah, I'm up for that. I've done that before. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Missed Apex Award then. And Nick Alexander, who missed the Vettel for you? I mean, who Vettel the Apex? I mean, ah, who got the Missed Apex Award for you? Uh, just a quick spoiler, none of those were mistakes. They were all deliberate. Um, I think what missed the apex for me was everyone rolling the dice on intermediates when it was only raining at one corner and like we said hamilton's times were out there for the world to see and they were on the radio saying that they had made the correct decision so they were just rolling the dice um hoping for glory and it's it's kind of sad that it didn't work out at all chris stevens who missed the apex for you before i say who missed the apex i'd like to go back and change my thing of the weekend to hannah hassel's comment which was i thought missed apex was spanner's midlife crisis uh, that's not entirely unfair. I mean, I am a 37-year-old dad who abandons his family at 7 o'clock on a Sunday night, wanders out into his garden, into his soundproof shed, and talks to internet strangers, failed journalists, old men, grumpy Aussies, and irate Germans. So, I mean, it's not entirely unfair. Yeah, that's why it's funny. Um, anyway, uh, who missed the apex for me? Uh, I, I have potentially two, depending on if one of you guys says... Uh, the other one I'm thinking of, but for me, it's got to be Toro Rosso and the decision yes. to go on Paul Wedsworth Gasly. What was that about? That's going to be hard to beat, isn't it? I mean, even as like a Hail Mary, even as a button-esque flip the coin, don't talk about it if it goes wrong, but praise and and big it up if it goes right. Even at those stakes, it was extreme. It was just never, ever going to work. And I think you made the best point, which is even if it had worked, they would have sh- tires by the time the rain came anyway uh matt trumpets who missed the apex for you oh well boy that that there are many many possibilities for that um but really uh and despite grosjean's draft i'm gonna have to go with haas and the and their whole strategy thing with the rain i just i think they were really in it i mean i know magnuson but to to bring both grosjean and magnuson in just did not make any sense, especially if you looked at the times that they were running. And that's just it for me. I wonder if someone could tell me how many points that Haas have thrown away through strategy error, driver error, pit stop error. I think it's a lot. Like, would it have made a position in their, uh, in the championship table? Are they missing out on prize money from the amount of mistakes they've made? They are a young team. So we'll give them a bit of grace and they're not used to running as well as they have been. But next season, if they're running as well, financially and the pressure pot is going to build and they're the kind of mistakes that are going to have to be cut out. I was just going to say, we mentioned, I was on on the Australia review when they had the double pit stop error and they lost enough points just on that one day for 
I think, two constructors' positions. So, and that's not the damage did not stop in Australia. That's what I'll say. All right, then. So, guys, think about Pony Awards. Well, we ask Steve Amy who missed the apex for him and who missed the apex for the live chat. For me, it was McLaren who missed the apex. McLaren sending... raced, they raced today, did but, they? Well, I think they did. They they sent Stoffel Van Dorn out in a car that obviously doesn't work and then had the, the temerity to say, we don't know what's causing him to be so slow. Come on, guys. Are you a race team or what? And who yeah. missed the apex for the chat room? Well, it's definitely got to be the uh, trophies. Everyone's gone a bit bananas about them. There are all <laughs> sorts of comments. <laughs> I think that we have to get an official trophy designer. F1 should get one. I don't know who makes the individual ones. Uh, who knows? I mean, for each each circuit, do they design their own trophies or is there an FIA official designer? You've got to imagine that it's the circuit that does it because the French ones were so specific to the 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 statues and everything and the installations that were outside. Chris? Uh, nobody said my other Mr. Apex well, although Baha Muti and Matt is speaking my language and it was going to be Williams uh, because they, they brought the updates yeah. to the car and things are actually looking semi-promising of making an inkling of progress into fixing that car and they have a double DNF. Yeah, but they were slightly less bad than normal and as I understand it, this was quite surprising, before today the whole underside of the car was stalling completely. Like they, they got the aero so wrong that basically the underside of the car was slowing the whole the whole package down. And they now have a front wing that works. So we're at least going to see the baseline of where Williams are. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's such a fundamental issue, it should be quite a significant leap forward when they actually um, fix it. And I think Sorokin uh, ended up falling way back anyway because he had a really bad pit stop because his left rear or something was sticking in his pit stop. But he qualified 12th. Uh, I know he got some help yeah. from Ricardo and Hamilton, but still, it was up there, and you know, generally they've been right at the back. So uh, damning with faint praise. Let's talk about Pony Awards. Who gets the Pony Award for insolent behaviour? Daddy, I want a pony, and I want it now. Trumpets. I know everybody feels very bad for Vattle, but... Uh, do you know what? No. If we're going to defend Lewis Hamilton for not giving that podium interview in Britain in his home race and just stropping off, because that is what he did. He did just have a bit of a paddy and say, oh, I don't want to talk to Martin Brundle, and he went off. Are we really going to give Sebastian Vettel grief for having just crashed out at his home Grand Prix? I mean, he was basically crying down the radio, but you can understand that was raw passion. You're not going to give Vettel the pony for that, are you? No, of course not. I was talking about his him being on the radio trying to get round uh, Raikkonen. Yeah, and it's it's interesting, isn't it? Because he it's a weird game we're playing. In reality, what he should have said was, hello, uh, I'm Sebastian Vettel. You you will know me from being your number one driver and leading the championship. <laughs> but Nick, he had to do this whole song and dance of, oh, I think I'm a second faster. Come on, this is getting silly. It's ruining my tires. Yeah, I, I was I was with him till till he's like, this is getting silly. And then, <laughs> then you could hear him tick over into ponydom, in my opinion. That's not well, bad. I feel very bad giving it. I, I still feel very bad giving it to him. But honestly, of all the radio calls I heard this week, that that came the closest to pony. So that's what I'm going to go with. Any other ponies from my panel, Nick? Yes. So can I give a pony from Instagram and not from Team Radio? That's not against the rules. No, right? no, you can do that. I know what you're going to okay. do. I okay. I'm going to give the pony to Lewis Hamilton, but I'm going to try to be as fair as possible. So I will say that this was an Instagram story. 
And I will say that this occurred between qualifying and the race. And I have it up, so I'm going to read it verbatim. So Dude, I don't oh, want to hear any any accusations of, of misrepresentation. Settle down. To those, to those who take joy in seeing other people fail or suffer, I feel for you. Whatever is happening in your life to hold so much anger and hate, I pray that it passes and good things come to you. He goes on. Anyway, I just... You make how many millions of quid a year? You ended up winning the race. Just, I don't know. I, I will definitely defend him when he's in, if something bad happens to him and he just wants a moment to himself. But I, I'm not going to defend like going and crying about it on social media because I I wouldn't, I, I don't like it when normal people do that. So, so let, let, you know, just take a second to talk about social media because you would assume that the amount of notifications he must get is insane. For example, even here doing a podcast, the the amount of notifications I get is detrimental to my work life and I have to turn my phone off. Fake Charlie Whiting can probably testament to that, Nick. Certain athletes and world leaders just need their phone taken away from them. <laughs> so so but is Lewis Hamilton sitting there and looking at like, uh, I don't know, uh, Rampante Cavallino and, uh, you know, Scuderia Ferrari fan 728 and going, oh, mate, no, that's not true. And he's sitting there, you know, arguing about it and flaming about it the same way I blow up over somebody giving me a bad YouTube comment. Surely Lewis Hamilton isn't just on the normal hashtags and social media streams kicking off. I, I think he is. That's, that's insane. Why would you do well, that? Well, yeah, that's my, that's, my, that's my point. I think he needs to stop doing that. But, but Alonso, Alonso definitely does. Because, who, Chris, who did Alonso respond to out of our team? about something or other and he just snapped back and went and like answered back and we were like oh snap so like some of the drivers do do it oh yeah totally but uh low stealth has got the right uh attitude i, I think nick doesn't know the purpose of social media which is crying <laughs> <laughs> all right chris uh who's your pony award uh yes i have my own pony which is uh kimmy raikkonen for when i think it was magnuson um sort of got in his way not really and uh, cost him, quote unquote, a place. And he goes, that lap car completely cost me. <laughs> Good. Steve, does the chat room have a pony, yes or no? Um, no, not really. The whole result seems to be a pony for them. There's no, not one specific thing. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a race where a lot of people had a lot of things to be unhappy about. Obviously, if you're a Lewis yeah. Hamilton fan, it was a spectacular from 14th on the grid. Nobody, nobody was predict- predicting a Lewis Hamilton win today. 14th on the grid for a win. Definitely, I think, his greatest victory that I can think of. But obviously, we're caught up in the moment. Let me know if you think Lewis Hamilton has had a greater victory. Uh, but, Steve, Amy, you do have one more job left. Before that, I'm going to say catch up with me at Spanners Ready on Twitter, if you want. I'm also on Instagram, Spanners Ready. We have a Missed Apex Facebook group, Missed Apex Podcast on YouTube. Follow the show at Missed Apex F1. Follow my co-hosts, my producers here for E-Radio Show, also at E-Radio Show, at C... Oh, I never... Quick, Chris, what is it again? C Stevens underscore Jano. It's a really, really bad Twitter handle. At MattPT55. Yeah, are you the only one here too? It's like hum, 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 underscore? Yeah. I've completely forgotten what we're talking about. We're promoting things because Steve is going to tell us who's the winner of. Comment of the week. Uh, Steve, who's won comment of the week? The chat's been going crazy today. 
and I think I'm going to give it to Evangelos Eterocletus, I think it is, Eterocletus, Evangelos. He gets it for, I swear, Lewis's forehead vein is modelled after some part of the Nordschleife. Well done to you. You get this week's Comment of the Week. Guys, we've got a very busy summer. Not only are we going to give you lots of podcasts, we're going to try and catch up with Matthew Carter. We're going to see if we can bother people like fake Charlie Whiting to come on for a chat. We're going to have lots of things. We're not going to abandon you over summer. We didn't abandon you over winter. Why would we abandon you now? Make sure you tune in to Missed Apex Podcast. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex. So how did I do coming across as neutral, not neutral, excited, not excited? You only twisted the knife a little bit, which I think is fair. (laughs) I appreciate you coming on. And I think you cheered up slightly towards the end. I did. I did. Once I had that Skittles metaphor going, I was was in full full swing. I I will. Um, Go on, Chris. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.